This 710 podcast is brought to you by Francis Coppola's Diamond Collection Wines. Coppola's Diamond Collection offers the perfect wines to celebrate both big and small occasions this summer. Claret Cabernet Sauvignon is the perfect pairing with juicy burgers. And Diamond Sparkling Prosecco goes great with friends at your next garden party. Enjoy your summer with Diamond Collection Wines. Francis Ford Coppola Winery, Sonoma, California. Please drink responsibly. All right, what is going on, Laker fans? Thank you very much for tuning in. we got an hour tonight of Lakers basketball uh, final day of the month. And uh, next time we get a chance to connect, um, we'll kind of have some idea here about Anthony Davis and his potential extension. So AD can sign that extension. Lakers can offer that extension come this Friday, August 4th. I want to spend a little bit of time on that. Um, Hoop Collective podcast with Brian Windhorse. Tim Bontemps, um, who am I missing here on the podcast? Uh, Tim McMahon as well, so all ESPN folks. Um, There's a couple quotes. There's a couple clips that I want to take from their podcast about the Anthony Davis stuff, so we'll spend a little bit of time on that. Uh, ESPN team rankings, Lakers, kind of surprisingly where they put them. I want to make an argument for the Lakers on that. The Ringers, top 25 players, where they put LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Uh, Yovan Boo had a good article in The Athletic about the potential rotation for the Lakers. So we got a lot that we can get into. And then I got some top NBA stories at the end. AK, Andy Kamenitsky, um, who obviously does a lot of work for 710 ESPN. Him and I will actually be doing shows all uh, week together while Travis Rogers is out. Uh, but he also does a Locked on Lakers podcast. Um, he's going to join me at 730. So we'll get a chance to kind of get his thoughts on everything in the world of Lakers basketball. Okay. So let me start off with this. There's actually a clip here that I want to start the show off with. So the Hoop Collective podcast is one of the best basketball NBA podcasts that is out um, and that's done on obviously a continuous basis. They were breaking down Anthony Davis's situation. AD's situation, for those who don't know. Um, So this Friday... AD becomes extension eligible is the way it's properly phrased. So um, he has uh, still another year left on his contract. He has a player option for the following season, which is just like LeBron James. So technically, technically, this could be the final year of his contract with the Lakers. What the Lakers could do is extend, extend him an offer for as much as $170 million over three years. All right, so... That gives you kind of an idea here of what the Lakers could potentially do with him. Um, And on the podcast, everybody gave their thoughts. So this Friday, uh, whether it's something that happens right away, whether the Lakers wait. I saw something earlier today that there's rumors that the Lakers are expected to offer AD a contract extension this week. Um, The three guys were breaking down some different things, some different things to think about of what the Lakers should do, what Anthony Davis should do, where are the Lakers currently when it comes to superstars. So let me play. There's three different um, pieces of this one clip that I want to play and I want to react to. So take a, take a listen here real quick. This is Tim Bontemps on the Hoop Collective podcast talking about not just the Anthony Davis piece, but if the Lakers, is it still a destination when LeBron and Anthony Davis eventually leave? Take a listen. 
I mean, I think if I'm the Lakers, given how much they have struggled in the past, I mean, it's easy to forget now because they have LeBron and AD, but how many years did we spend with the Lakers striking out on one star player after another in free agency, you know, from Marcus Aldridge to all these other guys who, you know, they were going to sign and they tried to sign and then they didn't sign. I think it'd be hard for them to walk away from AD or not want to extend him at that number. I think the more interesting question there is if they offer him that three-year extension, is AD willing to take it? Because he could be leaving a lot of money on the table next summer if he does. All right, that's uh, Tim Bontemps right there. So a couple things stand out to me. Number one, um, I don't agree with that premise. I don't think you need to go get Anthony Davis because you're worried that another superstar is not going to come play for the Los Angeles Lakers. By the way, that's a narrative that he's not wrong on some of the points that he made. Yes, LaMarcus Aldridge. Yes, Carmelo Anthony. Yes, there was a stage of Lakers basketball when Dr. Jerry Buss passed, when Kobe Bryant retired. There was definitely a stage there where you're trying to figure out, all right, who's going to be the next star? But I don't think the question is ever, will there be another star that represents the purple and gold? It's just, when is it going to be and who is it going to be? Um, The Lakers did have some dark days there. We know that. Six straight years without making the playoffs. And LeBron James kind of catapulted the franchise to get back to relevancy. And then also by LeBron coming, it all of a sudden became it. It became the place to be or a more attractive spot. And then Anthony Davis comes. And now the question is, can you go out and get other players? Um, And the Lakers were obviously able to do that. But I think Tim Bontemps point about go get Anthony Davis, because if you go get AD uh, or because if you don't go get Anthony Davis, is there another star that's lining up in front of the door to come sign with the Lakers? Um, the franchise is in a much different position than it was. This is pre-Rob Palenka. This is also, obviously, when Magic was around as well, there was a lot. You were looking at the franchise and saying, who's running the team? I think it's safe to say where the Lakers sit today is a lot different than where they sat six, seven years ago. That with the Lakers today... Um, there's a lot more stability, it seems like, with the franchise. I'm sure for Rob Palenka, it feels a lot more comfortable to be running the franchise, that if there was a lot of influences before, hey, who's going to make the final decision of this? How many cooks are there in the kitchen? Does it not seem like today that that doesn't seem like an issue? Does it also not seem like the Lakers are in a position where they have a plan, They understand what the strategy is. It doesn't mean it always works. Russell Westbrook's a perfect example. Lakers traded for Russ, and we saw what happened for a year and a half. But at least right now, take what the Lakers did at the deadline. Take what the Lakers did uh, in the offseason. There's a plan. And I think any free agent, whether it's Anthony Davis, whether it's another big player, you don't really have to sell the Lakers brand. You don't really have to sell the Lakers the the market. You don't really have to sell any of that stuff. Really, what you're trying to sell is, look, we're a franchise that also knows what we're doing. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we want to compete for NBA championships. So the money is going to be there. The power is going to be there. The marketing is going to be there. The brand is going to be there. Just are you a franchise that's going to be competing? And I think today the Lakers look much better than they looked six, seven years ago. So Tim Bontemps' point about go sign AD because you don't know if another future star is going to come sign up with the Lakers, I think that's a step too far. I think the Lakers will be just fine. It might take a second to adjust. But ultimately, the history of the Lakers franchise 
go to a game and go look at um, at, at Crypto.com Arena. Go look up look up in the rafters. There are plenty of examples that show when one dynasty ends, a new one starts. When one star player leaves, another star comes. I'm not telling you it's perfect, but it's a pretty damn good example to look at that not that not that many franchises have. So th- I want to address that portion first. Now here's the other side of it. The other side of it is does AD want to sign that contract? Because not because he doesn't want to be a Los Angeles Laker, but are there other financial incentives for him to say, well, maybe I should wait a second. Take a quick listen here. I want to play the second half of this clip. This is with Tim McMahon. You'd be extending him for his age 32, 33, 34 seasons. So optimistically, tail end of his prime, probably, you know, the start of a decline. Although, I mean, obviously there's a teammate of his who's uh, evidence that, you know, you don't necessarily need to start declining in your early to mid thirties. But I would be motivated by the Lakers to get it done now because 35% for Anthony Davis for those years with all his durability issues, that would be terrifying. All right, that's uh, that's um, that's Tim McMahon right there. There's it's it's actually this one plays a little bit more to if you're Anthony Davis, you're a player that has been injury prone. You're a player that has you know obviously tried everything you can um, to play 65, 70 games. It just has not been in the cards. We just saw that Jalen Brown got what over 300 million dollars. But do you want to take a chance? Do you want to risk it? Is what what is the advantage of taking that risk? Yes, you can potentially get more money if you hold out, if you wait out, if you play the rest of your contract, but you're also not a player that is you know shown that you can play um 70 games a year. And do you want to take that risk? And how much I think of players like this, I feel so bad too when you think of guys like Isaiah Thomas, when you think of guys like DeMarcus Cousins, and these are not the best comps. I'm just giving you examples of guys that you can either say bet on themselves or just had really bad timing with an injury that they had in a contract year, and it never panned out. I think that's kind of what the Tim McMahon piece of this was. How much of a risk do you want to take when it comes to that? Last piece I want to play here is take a listen to Brian Windhorse explaining that um, do the Lakers look at this, and let's look at it from their perspective. Take a listen. Let me ballpark the numbers here. If he signs an extension this year, his contract will be five years in the neighborhood of $255 million left, yep. including this year. So it'll be this year plus four. So then if he were to opt out, he would be able to sign a new deal for five and 300 and something for next year plus four. So it would be an extra year. It's not quite apples to apples, but that is an extra year and an extra, you know, $50 million, 50 to $60 million. Would he so, be 35 on that extra year? Right. So AD right now, um, he's 30 years old and he will enter this season making $40 million. Next year's the player option at 43, and that's the extension that we're all talking about with the Lakers. Let, let's spend a little time on this um, when we come back, and I, I think this is easy. To be honest with you, I think the, the chatter and the conversation of what the Lakers should do, what Anthony Davis should do, um, for me, I, I think it's a simple conversation. I think there's a simple um, answer to what both sides should do and how the Lakers should approach this. So we'll spend a little bit of time on that. Plus, as I mentioned, ESPN team rankings. Um, ESPN has the Lakers 
a lot further down the list than I thought they would. Plus the ringer, they rank the top 25 players in the NBA. Where does LeBron, where does Anthony Davis fit into that play? We'll do all that coming up next. Stay right here. This is Lakers Talk on 710 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, uh, Andy Kamenitsky is going to come on in about 15 minutes or so. Uh, talking Lakers basketball till 8 o'clock tonight. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Um, Anthony Davis has some decisions to be made for the Lakers and Anthony Davis. Coming up this Friday, August 4th, AD will become extension eligible. Um, I played a couple clips. By the way, 170, $170 million over three years is what the extension could be. Played a couple clips from the Brian Windhorse, the Hoop Collective podcast. He had Tim McMahon a part of the show. He had Tim Bonteps on the show. Um, one of the quotes that came out of there from Windhorse was, I do think there is an expectation that the Lakers make some sort of offer or show their intention to make some sort of offer. Uh, so the Lakers obviously have some decisions to make. Can I simplify all this? Can we, can we find a way to simplify what the Lakers should do and what Anthony Davis should do? Um, how about on August 4th, the Lakers just offer that extension and Anthony Davis signs the extension and we all just kind of move on. You guys see the numbers right now being thrown around in the NBA. Jalen Brown is going to make over $300 million. These contracts are only going to get more and more insane. And by the way, this isn't me going at the players. If they're paying $300 million uh, for a player like Jalen Brown, imagine what the owners are making. The money is coming in. Eventually, there's going to be a new streaming deal, or there, eventually there's going to be a new NBA rights deal, and I'm sure there's going to be some competition for that. So the numbers are only going to keep going up. Um, if you're also Anthony Davis on the other side of that, yeah, it's fair to say you have one NBA championship in your career. It's with the Los Angeles Lakers. You're a player that has been injury-prone in the past, and for the Lakers, and I think for Anthony Davis, doesn't it sound like, listen, at the end of the day, they're better off being together than without being together. Um, at the end of the day, I think that if you're the Lakers and you can have a player that, don't get me wrong, I'm sure has frustrated Laker fans for a couple of years where you look at his stats and you say, how does AD only take nine shots in a game? How does he only have nine points? How come AD only got to the free throw line two, three, four times? Uh, you have those days, but you also have the other days, which come often as well. Hey, AD had 32-17 and 17 and was 9 of 9 from the line. And oh, by the way, on the other side of the ball, he's the best defensive player in the NBA or one of the best defensive players in the NBA and can impact a game like nobody else can in the league. And he had four block shots and two steals. Um, it's not perfect. 
But you need a player like Anthony Davis uh, to certainly compete for an NBA championship. I don't think he could be your best player, but he can definitely be one of the best players. And I hope August 4th rolls around. Lakers offer AD the extension. I hope AD takes it. So we'll see what happens. I know but next time, by the time I uh, do Lakers talk the next time, uh, <clears throat> there could be some clarity that comes uh, either way on that. But the Hoop Collective podcast was awesome, and I, I thought it really broke down uh, some, some great, great stuff there. Um, so ESPN last week, they did their they, – they, it's kind of naturally they do this, right? They do their ESPN rankings, and um, once uh, you pretty much have the dust settle around the NBA, we know, okay, Chris Paul's with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Jordan Poole signed with the Wizards. Uh, Bradley Beal is a Phoenix Sun. Fred Van Fleet. Um, Dylan Brooks, uh, give me some other names that Marcus Smart, another name that kind of changed location. So we know that we pretty much have a good idea now where everybody's going to be. The only one really remaining, it seems like, is the piece of Damian Lillard. And uh, we'll see what happens on that front. So ESPN does their power rankings. They're ranking all 30 teams. And in my head, I, I don't I don't think I had my Laker hat on when I was doing this. I just kind of based it off of how the Lakers finished last year, what happened in the offseason, and if the Lakers um, I thought would be a top five in the power rankings. So I'm taking a look at the power rankings. They had Denver at number one. All good. These are the defending champs. Now, I, I don't think the Nuggets will be as good as they were last year. Or let, let me put it this way. They might be as good or they might be even better because the players are better. They're more comfortable. There's more continuity, all that stuff. But the roster lost a couple key role players. Bruce Brown, gone. Jeff Green, gone. Those are two players that I'm not saying you can, you know, uh, call your franchise cornerstones, but they were good role players for the Denver Nuggets. They're no longer there. So now they're going to have to rely more. I know um, uh, Christian Brown, obviously, is a player they're going to have to rely on. Reggie Jackson, who really didn't get much PT, at least I didn't see him. Um, there's some other young players that they're going to rely on. But Denver's number one, all good. Milwaukee's number two, I got no problem with that as well. Put Milwaukee wherever you want. We know they're going to be a team to reckon with. Boston, number three, they lose Marcus Spart. They bring in Kristaps Kristaps Porzingis. Um, You know, we'll see when the dust settles where all that that goes. Again, but I'm not going to fight the numbers. If Boston, I think you can make a case that they're the third best team in the NBA. And they got Phoenix at number four. Um, there are a lot of people out there that I think look at the Phoenix Suns and say to themselves, is that going to work? Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant. I think it will. And I think it's easy to look at that team and just say, ah, they're too top heavy. No, they had a pretty good offseason as well. I thought Eric Gordon was a good pickup. Bull Bull, we'll see what happens. Uh, What an OB they got as well. I think Matu is another player that they brought in. Um, obviously new head coach and former Los Angeles Laker coach and one of the few NBA champion head coaches in the NBA, Frank Vogel, is now um, the leader of the Phoenix Suns. I think that's a big deal. I think DeAndre Ayton, who's still on that roster there, whether they keep him long-term or not, um, I think there's a good chance that his relationship with with Frank Vogel just kind of get a new fresh start. That seems like that's a good idea. So I don't have a problem with the Suns at number four, which is where ESPN put him in the ranking. This is where I had some trouble after that. 
I thought Lakers would be number five. And I think you can easily make a case that the Lakers should be number five in these ESPN power rankings. They had the Heat at number five. And I don't know if they're just assuming that eventually Damian Lillard is going to be on the Miami Heat. But if Damian Lillard is not on the Miami Heat um, and they can't get a deal done with the Portland Trailblazers, I don't know why the Miami Heat would be in front of the Lakers. Max Struess they lost. Gabe Vincent they lost. Number six, they got the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't know why the Sixers are in front of the Los Angeles Lakers. Um James Harden still a late, or still a Philadelphia 76er, but he also was somebody that seemed like was trying to get out of town as soon as they were eliminated from the playoffs. There was some chatter that he was going to go to Houston. Doesn't end up there. There was some chatter that he wants to go to the Clippers. Well, there was no deal that was made. Um, those two teams, five and six, the Heat and the Sixers, does not sound like there's great stability at the moment. I have a difficult time understanding why the Lakers would be sitting at number seven in ESPN's power rankings and not, you know, further ahead in that top five. Lakers, I don't need to remind everybody, but I will. Obviously went out and retained Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, D'Angelo. I thought all those deals uh, from a flexibility standpoint puts them in a position where if things aren't working out or they want to make a trade. I think all those contracts are tradable. They got Gabe Vincent. They got Torian Prince, Jackson Hayes, Cam Reddish. So I thought the Lakers did um, – I, I thought they had a good offseason. I, I thought they will grow from whatever they accomplished last year, but ESPN disagreed with that. They had the Lakers all the way down at number seven. Um, that one was a little bit of a surprise to me. Eight, they had the Golden State Warriors, the Cavs at number nine, and then the Grizzlies round up the top ten. Is it the end of the world? Is it the biggest news? Probably not, but I always, I'm curious, especially this is an off-season edition. It's really giving credit to certain teams that you feel like shined in the off-season. It's recalibrating, okay, well, this team now with this player, this is where they're going to be, or maybe it's guys that they just re-signed. I thought the Lakers would get a little bit more love from that. Uh, perspective, but they did not. Um, let's spend a little time with Andy Kamenitsky when we come back. We'll get his thoughts on what the Lakers should do on the AD extension. We'll get his thoughts on um, just what he thought about the Lakers in the offseason. And uh, he had a really good piece. Him and I were talking a little bit about it this morning on Cam Reddish. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. On the um, Locked On Lakers podcast that he does with uh, BK, uh, we'll talk about that as well coming up next. Stay right here. Uh, Alan Sliwa, Lakers Talk, 710 ESPN. All right, we're going to have uh, Andy Kamenitsky join us in just uh, a minute or so. Um, just a quick reminder here. If you miss any part of the show, go to ESPN LA. Just download the app on your phone and any show that you miss here, any show that we do earlier in the day, everything goes up on the podcast. So it's really, really clean. Great to listen to. Um, so make sure you do that and, uh, you can catch us at any time. Um, okay. So 
I mentioned this, and once we uh, get AK on, we will uh, we'll break down a couple other things here in regards to, I mentioned the Ringer's top 25 players, so AK is on. Andy, what's going on? Thank you for uh, joining the show, buddy. How you doing, man? Well, I'm sure you're kind of, you know, to be honest with you, probably sick of me at this point because we did a show this morning together. The fact that you have to do two shows with me in one day, how do you feel about that? Well, I mean, once you asked me face-to-face and there was kind of nowhere in the room that I was in to go, Mm -hmm. I had to say yes, and yep. I hoped that you would forget, but, but here we are, Alan. It's good to talk to you. No, that was my strategy. My strategy was you can't kind of <laughs> tell me face-to-face. Face. <laughs> uh, it, uh, it doesn't explain why you put me in that room and locked the door. Yep, that was yeah, a little I, much. But. Exactly. I put the stop, instead of putting it on the inside when it's open, I put it on the outside so that nobody can get in. Um, you can well, catch... The thing about the loaded gun was a little much, but still... <laughs> You can catch uh, Andy Kamenitsky and Brian Kamenitsky five days a week on the Locked on Lakers podcast. Um, it's on YouTube as well, so you get a chance to uh, watch it on video as well. Um, AK, there's a decision. I don't know how big of a decision this is. Maybe this is just uh, semantics and it will all happen, but we're getting a little bit closer to the date. Uh, this Friday, uh, Anthony Davis will be become extension eligible and can earn um, – the Lakers basically can do a long-term extension with him. It's about $170 million over three years. I'm going to first ask you what I what I think or what you think will happen come Friday and based on not just what you think will happen, but what would you do in this situation if you're the Lakers? What I think is going to happen is that Anthony Davis is going to be offered – the full extension, if not Friday, fairly soon after. Like, you know, there, I don't know where, if Anthony Davis, for example, is on vacation, if he's in LA, if he's taking downtime, whatever. So, if the Lakers are aware of that, they might not immediately offer this when they know he's not really around to discuss it. But my guess is he will reasonably soon be offered a full extension. And were I to guess, he'll accept it. Um, and by the way, I, and, and just kind of based off of that, I, I spent a second on before you came on basically saying what I think should happen. And I'm not, not only do I think that probably most likely happens, I don't have a, me specifically, I don't have an issue with it. I think a lot of times I think we're critical on Anthony Davis, which is fine. He's a, supposed to be a big time player. He's supposed to be a top 10 player in the league. Um, there's some inconsistencies on offense. There's not really inconsistencies on the defensive side. Um, do you think it's the right thing? Would you have any hesitation if you're running the Los Angeles Lakers? Do you look at AD? Do you look at his injury history? Do you look at how many games that he plays? You look at where he's at in his career. Do you have any hesitation? And on the other side of it, if you're Anthony Davis, Jalen Brown just got over $300 million, and there are scenarios out there that if he's a little bit patient, which is risky, might be risky for a player like him, um, he could make more money down the road if he didn't take the extension offer right away. Um, as far as whether or not I'm the Lakers, I would have any degree of apprehension with injury history. Yeah, of course I would. But there's, there's hardly any superstar in the league where you don't have any concerns about that. I mean, it's, it, I suppose it's basically Jokic 
And if you feel like Luca will ever get his conditioning really consistently great, maybe Luca, pretty much everybody else has some degree of injury concerns, if not high degrees. You know, thankfully, Anthony Davis's have been largely things that aren't particularly serious. You know, that even if they're surgeries that are in the grand scheme of things, relatively minor things like that, he's never had anything that you know, has led to missing large chunks of a season recovering from a pretty significant surgery, things like that. But the truth is, it's going to be difficult to do much better than Anthony Davis as one of your foundations. And assuming you are looking to be competitive, unless you, unless the Lakers are going to, stop, to decide to do some type of rebuild, it's impractical not to have Anthony Davis on board. He's a really good player. He is... You know, at his best, he can be anywhere from a top five to a top ten player in the league. At his most inconsistent, I guess somewhere between 10 and 20. But even that is really rarefied air. And especially when you take into account all the things he can do defensively, finding one player better than him, much less two, that you can get at the same time, you know what I mean, like to keep these things going, it's just, it's just extremely difficult to do. Um, as far as AD and I guess the money that he could make, were I him, given what he's already banked and his, and his own injury history, I think I would just want the security of knowing that I have that and not having to worry about it. You know, I, I <laughs> it's hard for me to really get into the headspace of somebody who's talking about $100 million contracts and things like that. It's just something that I've never really had to weigh the pros and cons of. But I, I just feel like, in his case, knowing that he's already seen as an injury risk, if he has this type of security put in front of him hmm. that'll stretch into the years that I think go past his prime, I would just take the security of having it. Andy Kibaniski taking some time to join us here on Lakers Talk. Um, him and uh, BK, Brian Kamenitsky, do the Locked On Lakers podcast. Uh, it's also available on YouTube five days a week, Monday through Friday, and, of course, all the work they do on 710 ESPN. Um, AK, I, I know we could kind of go through the laundry list of what the Lakers did in the offseason, re-signing Reeves, Rui, D'Angelo, grabbing Gabe Vincent, Torian Prince, Jackson Hayes, and Cam Reddish. Um, is there anything they did – that you weren't crazy about or was maybe a little bit of a head scratcher um, or the players that left uh, that you wish they made either more of attempt to bring back. Is there anything in the off season that uh, you, you were disappointed with? Um, disappointment would be too strong for anything that they did. I, I actually think their off season was pretty strong um, at the absolute worst they maintained status quo and that status quo was pretty good. You know, it was just a trip to the Western conference finals, having figured out everything on the fly with no practice time, LeBron missing a significant chunk of that Angela Russell missing some time. They still managed to get to the Western conference finals. And I think it's hard to make an argument that they got worse. I actually think they got better um, because Gabe Vincent is, if nothing else, a comparable replacement to Dennis Schroeder, and Dennis Schroeder was an important part of what they did this year. And I see Torian Prince as 
kind of a replacement for both Malik Beasley and Troy Brown. You know, Malik Beasley shooting Troy Brown defensively, except I think he is better than both of them. Um, and he also provides some wing, some wing versatility defensively that they haven't had in addition to the shooting at that position. Um, I'd say the biggest risk, if you want to put it that way, would be Jackson Hayes, just because he's pretty unproven as a player. Like, you know, he's got a lot of upside. He's tantalizing. There are times where he looks like it's clicking. Um, I, I read, a couple weeks ago, I did a scouting report on Jackson Hayes and Locked on Lakers podcast with Jake Madison, who covers them for Locked on Pelicans. And he talked about how there was a cycle for Jackson Hayes where he would start the season in a rotation, then fall out of it, then people would get injured because the Pelicans are just one big injury. And Jackson Hayes would get back in the rotation, start playing well, and you feel like, okay, this is the sign that it's finally clicked. And then the cycle would repeat itself. Um, What I'm hopeful for is that the Lakers, their track record with player development, you know, Phil Handy and just down the line, and then having much more of just a solid structure and foundation here than with New Orleans can maybe get Hayes on the right path just because for the time being, he's the only playable or at least somewhat experienced big man that they have. Like, unless they're going to play LeBron at center, Rui at center, which, you know, we've seen can work, but it's not ideal. Um, Jackson Hayes is the only option that they really have, you know, and as much as I liked what we saw from Castleton in the summer league, and I, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he actually got a little bit of run with, with the big club this season, it's way, way premature to earmark him for, for actual minutes. Sure. And then, you know, maybe they get Christian Wood, maybe they get Bismack Biombo, maybe they, um, there, there's a few other, uh, Jamichael Green maybe could be an option for them, but they need another backup big. And until that happens, it puts, it puts some pressure on Jackson Hayes or some urgency on his performance that, like, say, for Cam Reddish, doesn't exist. Like, Cam Reddish is a low-risk flyer. If he happens to pop, great. If he doesn't, you know, unless there are injuries or, I guess, Max Christie isn't ready. And for what it's worth, I think he's going to be ready, and I think he's going to carve out a rotation role. If Cam Reddish doesn't work out, it's really not that big of a deal other than, I guess, Rob Polinka can say to Clutch, we did this, okay, can we, can we move on? Can we move forward? Um, you know, they, they gave him this shot. But it's much more important for Reddish than the Lakers that this works out. Jackson Hayes, though, there's actually some importance attached to it. But overall, okay. though, Alan, I, I think their offseason was really good. I thought okay. it was a really good offseason. Well, why do you think the – just to hit off the kind of the big men, why do you think that one's taken so long? And those players are all – it sounds like everyone's at a stalemate. And it, it's – we've basically been saying now, what is it, maybe two and a half weeks now, maybe even close to three weeks. We've been talking about Bizback Biombo, Christian Wood. Uh, we've kind of been going over the same players. Why, why do you think that one's taken as long as it has? Well, in the case of Wood in particular – He's been linked to potentially ending up in Miami if the Heat pull off a deal for Dane Lillard, which could send out a few players, uh, create some roster spots. That being the case, I think, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I think they could offer Christian Wood more than a minimum. If nothing else, even if I'm wrong about that, 
I think there could be an opportunity for more playing time than maybe he would have in some of these other spots. From there, it's just like when it comes to Wood or Biombo or DeMichael Green or whoever, if they're all going to end up league minimum deals, then it probably makes sense for them to take their time deciding because they may be waiting to see, like, okay, if a few more teams, you know, Portland, Miami, the Clippers, the Sixers, some of these teams that, you know, have high-profile players connected to them in trade rumors in, in, in either direction, depending on how those trades, if they end up happening, shake out, that could affect the rosters in a way that could offer them more playing time in one place versus another. Because remember, these guys want their next contract to be higher than a veteran's minimum. So the amount of playing time that they get is really important. You know, the, the salary is the salary. So from their perspective, I, I think there's no hurry, and I understand why they might be taking their time and being a little bit choosy because, you know, the money is the money. The contract's the contract. AK, final one for you here. You mentioned uh, Max Christie, and that, that was, you know, kind of fun to watch him and it, it, just look at his growth. And I'm not trying to make a case here that what he does in the summer league is going to be an indication of what he does once the regular season starts. But I think there's a lot of quiet confidence around uh, Laker fans. And it seems like to be the, the kind of consensus with the front office as well. Um, what kind of... What kind of steps do you think he could take in his second year in the NBA? Uh, he had some opportunities during the regular season. Uh, he's obviously watching from the bench, watching a team get to the Western Conference Finals. It's not like the Lakers. Uh, I mean, yes, they have some guards, but it's basically um, it's basically Austin Reeves, Gabe Vincent, D'Angelo Russell, and Max Christie that you expect to kind of take most of those guard minutes. What kind of opportunities do you think uh, Christie gets this year? Well, I mean, he, he has said his goal is to be in the rotation. You know, if anything beyond that happens, great. But that's what he has set as his goal in his second year, which I think is a sensible goal. Um, you know, it's funny. You said before not reading too much into the summer league performance. Obviously, we need to see the next step against all NBA talent. But the reason I'm very optimistic about what we saw in the summer league is because I think – when you see second-year guys dominate in the summer league, and that's what we saw with Christie, that's generally a pretty good sign hmm. of things that lie ahead. And, you know, th- last year he played a lot in the first half of the season, and then once they revamped the roster and they were really trying to make this hard push to get in the play in and in the playoffs, Christie lost minutes, and I – I don't blame Darwin for doing that. I, I think it was justified. It's what pretty much any coach would do in that position, especially once you brought in more experienced players. So I have no problem with him being taken out of the rotation, but I also wouldn't have had a problem with him staying in the rotation either. Like I, I thought Christie for the most part looked like he could hang there without screwing up too much, which, you know, sounds like a backhanded compliment, but for a 19-year-old one-and-done second-round draft pick, that's not. It's not a backhanded compliment at all. Um, he's gotten a lot bigger. You know, he's put on about 10 to 15 pounds of muscle. He's a lot stronger. He told Dave McMenamin at his exit interview that he grew an inch, um, which obviously would be great because I think he's somebody that they also picture as being capable of playing small forward, if need be, depending on the lineups. And 
he's just he's very under control when he's out there. And I think if you ever, you, I'm, I don't know if you've interviewed him before, but I, I know you've heard him talk. He's very mature for his age. Like when you hear him interview, Christie sounds like a guy who's older than 20. And I just, we'll see how it goes. But I, I have a lot of optimism about him for this season. I, I think he's going to be a part of what they do. Yeah, he came on um, right when they were in the middle of summer league, and I'm with you. Very impressive to hear him talk. He does not sound like uh, – I mean, he almost sounds like a vet that's been in the league for a while. He does. And, and very hungry. He does. Yeah. Yeah. He's really level-headed. Like, when you hear him talk, he a lot of a lot of younger players can be intimidated when, when they do this sort of setting and they, they – you can tell they're kind of unsure of themselves. What should I say? Should I not say this? How do, how do I present myself? Mm-hmm. Christy doesn't feel that way at all, and I don't think he really ever has. AK, hey, thank you, buddy. I appreciate you uh, taking the time, and uh, I'm sorry that you have to talk to me again tomorrow. <sighs> yeah. Just sleep on it. Take some yeah. time. Yeah, don't <laughs> rush through it. Maybe it's call hard to sleep sick. with this looming. <laughs> it's hard to sleep with this looming, Alan. All right, man, I'll thank see you tomorrow. Andy. All right, buddy. Uh, that's Eddie Kavaditsky right there. Again, Lockdown Lakers podcast. Him and BK do a great job uh, Monday through Friday. Podcast, YouTube component as well. So make sure to go check that out on uh, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Um, got our final thoughts coming up next. Where does LeBron and Anthony Davis rank on the Ringer's top 25 players? A uh, good article of Jovan Boa, the athletic, talking about some of the Lakers' rotation for the upcoming season. We'll get into that as well. Top NBA stories. Stay right here. Lakers Talk 710 ESPN. Uh, thank you to uh, Andy Kamenitsky there, um, spending some time on the show. AK and I will be doing the show all week this week. Uh, Travis is out for the week, so uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning starting at 10 a.m. Um, I did mention, and I do want to get into this, uh, the Ringers top 25 players. I, I was kind of like looking at these. You guys remember this. ESPN did this. Uh, what was it after the Lakers won the NBA championship in 2020 ESPN ranked LeBron James number one Anthony Davis number two so I I, want to you know I guess uh, no spoiler alert here but I'm going to give you just an idea LeBron and Anthony Davis are not in the top 10 now what does that mean can you still be uh can you still be a team that wins an NBA championship if you don't have a player in the top 5 or top 7? Well, let, let me go through some of the ranking that they put on here. Again, this is coming from the Ringer. Um they put number 1 Jokic. There is no argument right now that the best player in the world or at least there should be no argument that Nikola Jokic is not the best player in the world. He's a two-time MVP and oh by the way, he got the MVP that Michael Thompson always says during the regular season, it's the only MVP that matters. He got the finals MVP. Jokic is number one. Steph Curry at number two. I think a little bit of a surprise. I don't know why, but I thought Steph might be a little bit further down. Not too far down, but I didn't know they'd put him at number two. Giannis at number three. KD at number four. Embiid at number five. Jason Tatum at number six. Luka number seven. Kawhi top eight. Um... I don't have an issue with Kawhi being top eight. It's just his availability is obviously the issue. He's still only 31 years old. Kawhi at number eight. Jimmy Butler cracks the top ten at number nine. Devin Booker at number ten. And then uh, AD and LeBron, 11 and 12. So Anthony Davis, number 11. LeBron James, number 12. 
Bron is about to get into his 21st year in the NBA. He's 38 years old. He'll be 39 in December, and he's still top 12 in the NBA. And we know the impact that he has. Look, can he do it the same way that he used to? Of course he can't. Um, have things changed with the way he plays defense or how much he can give on a night-in, night-out basis? Of course it has. He's 38 years old. The AD piece at number 11, I feel like AD moved up a little bit, and I think this season, this past season, helped him. Um, his capability of just dominating games on the defensive side needs to be appreciated more. It's not talked about enough. And then AD, obviously, some of his potential on offense. So uh, that's the way the ringer ranked uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, AD at number 11, Braun at number 12. Just to round up the top, <clears throat> top 15, Shea Gilgis, number 13, Dame, number 14, Donovan Mitchell, number 15. Um, can you still win NBA championships without having a top five, top seven player? Uh, I think you can. I think the Lakers have enough balance there where they can certainly compete for an NBA championship, but uh, all the players that were listed in the top 10, those are the ones that you imagine are competing for an NBA championship this upcoming season. The Giannis's of the world, like I mentioned. Um, of course, Jokic. Uh, of course, Jimmy Butler, who's made it to the finals now a couple different times. So there's a lot of players in that top uh, 10 that uh, are well representing the NBA. Um, there's one other thing I wanted to get into the, the memo to the NBA teams that went out in regards to the Damian Lillard trade request, this is the only top NBA story that I'm going to have time to get into. Um, it's interesting. The Basically, the NBA is saying that, look, if you trade for Damian Lillard, the man is under contract and he's going to play, which is exactly how it should be. It's just interesting that the league had to send out a memo to all 30 teams basically to make sure that they're not discouraged if they want to go make a run at Damian Lillard, go ahead and make it because he's contractually obligated to play for you. Uh, looks like some uh, folks took some steps back there, whether it was Dame's agent um, or just some of those uh, public-private comments that were out there. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully this Dame Lillard stuff ends sooner than later so everybody can move on. Laker fans, I uh, appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Uh, thank you to Michael Funches. Thank you to Laura Romo. And thank you to Mario Ruiz. Hope you guys uh, have a great rest of your night. L.A., enjoy the rest of your week.